Noddle. Noddle. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Would you look at that? So good. Look at that. Okay. You forgot the core thing. You must breathe in order to speak, <gasps> young one. Noddle. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. We are brother and sister and this is our podcast for nerds where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and tell you which one is worth consuming. Today we'll be talking about The Lightning Thief, the first book of the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, including the 2005 novel by Rick Riordan and the 2010 movie directed by Chris Columbus. There are 12 Olympian gods. Big three are the brothers Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades. The children of these gods were half human, half gods. Hey, Mom. I thought this school was supposed to make things better. Someday it'll all make sense. Percy Jackson, we need to talk. We've been expecting you. The gods are real. My father's beside you. God of the seas. If you are unfamiliar, don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or don't really care about spoilers on this particular book-to-movie combo, stick around. So real quick, we are going to give you a brief summary on the story. Uh, Writing the summary made me mad because it's such a cool premise. (laughs) It's such a good premise. Uh, When Percy Jackson, a normal New York kid with dyslexia and ADHD, gets attacked by a teacher on a school field trip, he finds out that not only are Greek myths still very real, but he just might be part of one. Through some twists and turns, he finds himself at Camp Half-Blood, a safe place for demigods to hide away from the monsters that want them dead. But things really kick off when everyone assumes Percy has stolen Zeus's Master Bolt, his legendary weapon. Now Percy and his unlikely friends have to journey to clear his name, save his mom, and find out who is trying to start a war of the gods. Mm -hmm. So, David, what was your very first experience with The Lightning Thief? So, I'm super familiar with this because this came out around the time when I, this, this like was for me. He made this for middle school age kids, and I was in sixth grade when this came out. So this was directly marketed and made for me. So I was obsessed with these books as a kid. I read through all of them. I think I came into the series on the second book. Uh, So I read the first two books and blew through them immediately. They were extremely easy for me. I became obsessed with Greek mythology after them. And yeah. if I remember this, I'm about to do a brother moment. I think the reason why I like them so much too was because you liked them. And so it yeah, I'm gave pretty us, sure I gave them to you. I think you probably did. So it was like mm-hmm. books that you and I both enjoyed. And that was mm-hmm. like a territory I was unfamiliar with. And so for that uh, reason, I like really wanted to get into these books so I could talk about them with you. Yeah, I was nerdily obsessed when probably I was in like sixth or seventh grade too uh, with Greek mythology. And I saw these books pop up and I immediately wanted, I would immediately want, I was still in high school when they came out. And I read through, uh, I read through the first one really quick and I forced you and our younger brother to read them. Mm -hmm. And it was fun because we both loved them together. I know. And yeah, it drew on all of my, 
all of my middle school nerdiness love for Greek mythology. It really sparked 2005 was like this year of Greek mythology resurgence. Cause do you know what else came out in 2005? What? The PlayStation two game, God of war. <laughs> <laughs> really? You know what I was not allowed to play in sixth grade? Definitely not Definitely God of War. Definitely not God of War. And so this was my only thing I could have related to Greek mythology. Now, I did play God of War. I just snuck over to my neighbor's house where I got to play it all day. Did you really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You don't realize if there was something that mom and dad didn't let us play, I just went over to our neighbor's house and played it. So yeah. God of War, boom, he had it. Mortal Kombat, boom, he had it. Oh, want some GTA? Want to steal some cars? and shoot some people boom he had it i do remember i do remember gta being a big deal yeah you uh, think i was friends with that dude no i just wanted to play video games he had everything i didn't i was also friends with him but i'm not gonna lie him having the video games really helped the video games were a great incentive yeah that no yeah i get that uh, okay, so let's talk about the book. Uh, so I loved, I loved hearing, I loved reading the history of this. I think Rick Riordan, I follow him on Twitter still. Oh, yeah. I think he's so funny. He's like, just like the daddiest. That, no, that sounds horrible. He's just like the <laughs> most. <laughs> that is not what I meant. Ooh, I got a recording of he that. Is the most, no, please, he is the most dad-like uh, social studies teacher writer I've ever. Oh my gosh read about and he still very much is is like that so he started this book series uh because his son was in second grade and learning about all the greek myths and was having a hard time with it and so he asked his dad to tell him bedtime stories to help him learn it and then when they went through all the stories he wanted new ones and so he started putting his own twist on it so he uh Riordan came up with Percy Jackson as a main character as a modern day main character interacting with Greek myths. And then he asked the kid, it's really this kid who gave us this book because the kid asked him to write mm -hmm. a book. So he did. And then he workshopped it with middle schoolers and added a bunch of stuff to it and then sold it. That's adorable. Oh, very cool. I mean, this is adorable. Isn't that super cute? Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is the best origin for a novel ever. It's like yes. the dream. <laughs> it's super wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very sweet because he has written since then dozens of books um, in this series and in this world. And they he has stuck to his guns. They are all middle grade friendly, which I think is very interesting, despite the big themes that they tackle. Uh, so he has done many series, including Percy Jackson, The Olympians, The Kane Chronicles, Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard, and The Trials of Apollo, which the fifth book is, of that one is coming out this year. So those are all his series. Have you read any he, of those? I have read uh, like half of them. So I did read all of the Percy Jackson books. Yep. I read the, all The Kane Chronicles, which is uh, – about Egyptian mythology, which mm -hmm. I also nerdily loved. Um, the Magnus Chase books, I've read like half of them, and those are about uh, Asgardian myths, and they're pretty good. Yeah, I think the only ones I haven't tackled is the Magnus Chase ones, and mm -hmm. I never finished his like second Olympian series. That's I good. did finish that one. It is very, very good. Mm. Um. And so not only has he done all of those books, so he's been very, very busy in the, what, 15 years he's been writing. That's so he many books. Also, Wait a second. So many oh, books. That's yeah, so many books. It's quite a lot of books. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's very impressive. He comes out with like one a year um, and plus, I guess, probably. Uh, he also 
started uh, something called Rick Riordan Presents, where he curates books and helps them get published. And so instead of writing, he writes in different mythologies. And so instead of writing in mythologies that he's um, aren't part of his own culture, he curates books from own voices writers so that they can tell stories about their mythologies. So that includes Hindu, Mayan, Korean, Cuban, Aztec, Navajo, African-American, and Mesopotamian. And so there's a whole bunch of books that, yeah, that he's also helped got published when people were asking for books in different mythologies, which I just think is amazing. That's the right way to do it. And I'm super excited for it. Is Rick Riordan just like the Keanu Reeves of the book world? He kind of is the Keanu Reeves of the book world. I would stand by that comparison. He is incredible. Like, I, no matter what, when he, any project he's involved in, I always love it. And even if it's not for me, I can always respect it. I think he's a very um I think he's a very aware yeah. writer and publisher. I think he he tries very hard to care about issues and to care about the people who are reading his books and all the kids and stuff. I think he's just he's he's yeah, I think he's great. Um so this book the Lightning Thief has been adapted into a film that got a sequel, which I totally forgot about. I definitely think I saw it, and I erased it from my memory. Yeah, I erased it. I don't Probably remember for good anything. Reason. <laughs> uh, it was also adapted to a video game, which I have, I have no memory of, but I kind of want to find. Uh, a one-hour off-Broadway musical, and then that musical was expanded to a two-hour uh, musical that just finished its tour and got pretty good reviews. Um, and... Riordan is right now advocating for an animated miniseries to reboot his series, which would be really fun if that happened. That'd be really interesting. I'm noticing that so many of these adaptations have musical adaptations. They really do. I don't know when musicals became like a thing that just happened. I didn't know that was a thing, but I guess it so. is a recurring theme. Yeah. I will say, too, I went on Amazon and Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief for the Nintendo DS is currently $15 with shipping. Interesting. Should I do Should I do a follow-up called The Lightning <laughs> Thief Adapted for the Nintendo DS? I will say I heard it was terrible, but I do support the idea of you getting it and us reviewing it. (laughs) Great. Okay. Well, we'll see if that makes the cut. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about movie facts now. Yeah, let's do it. I had a hard time with movie facts because if you're not aware, this adaptation is uh, has always been under a lot of controversy because Rick Ryden has indirectly gone on record that he is not happy with this adaptation so for me i want to look into all the production problems that went into this the thing is is there is not a lot in terms of the actual onset movie production about this and that's because rick riordan had zero contractual power over this movie they consulted him but he did not have any contractual power to change things or want things in this movie. He got screwed. Yeah, and by consulted, it sounds like he wrote them a couple of letters that they ignored. (laughs) Yes. So uh, a a bit of some broad overview. The biggest change in the movie is that Percy Jackson from the books to the movie is aged up. He goes from 12 Mm -hmm. to 16. Now, this Mm -hmm. was tough for Rick. Uh, We're on a first name basis, by the way, Rick, uh, because (laughs) 
he was. You don't want to say Riordan over and over again. I, <laughs> no, I just think I'm. You know, I follow him on Twitter. I'm close to the dude. You know. Cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, he was under the impression that this series was going to be the new Harry Potter series because this was uh, being produced around the time the Deathly Hallows was in production, which means mm-hmm. that the market was going to open up for another book series like this. So he thought this was going to be the next Harry Potter, and that's what the um, that's also what the production house wanted. You know, they had a star-studded cast, honestly, relatively unknown young actors. They were kind of f- following the formula, except they aged him up. Now, Rick had a lot of problems with this that at the time he did not voice at all uh, until 2018 when he leaked a ton of emails that he had with the production team after reading the script and this and by, by leak you mean posted to his he blog po- <laughs> yeah by leaked I mean posted to his blog I would yeah. <laughs> highly recommend reading these they're very entertaining to they read. <laughs> are very 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 funny because he basically tears this apart and so uh, I'll just read a snippet here that he has and this is after going through because he does go through and talk about parts that he enjoys this is yeah this is the part where I laughed when I was reading this. Yes. <laughs> so I'm glad that you pulled this quote. Yeah. So he says, after listing the very few good things, he says, having said that, here's the bad news. The script as a whole is terrible. I don't <laughs> simply mean that it deviates from the book, though certainly it does to a point of almost being unrecognizable for, as the same story. Fans of the book will be angry and disappointed. They will leave the theater in droves in general and generate horrible word of mouth. This is an absolute given if the script goes forward as it stands. But the bigger problem is that even if you pretend the book doesn't exist, the script doesn't work as a story in its own right. And then he goes through for pages on every single problem he has. And it's hilarious. I almost wanted this episode to be just us reading that letter because it is it is very funny and all of his points are very valid yes i would highly recommend checking it out because it's a great look into how authors view their adaptation because every author is going to be biased towards their own story but Mm -hmm. i think what is particularly interesting about the points he makes is he talks about how it deviates from the story but also talks about how he is targeting a completely different audience than this yes. movie. This movie is meant yeah. for teens. His books are meant for kids. And the yeah. and why it doesn't work as a movie because of that. Yeah, I thought it was especially interesting because he says in those in that letter, hey, the kids that you want that are fans of Percy Jackson are going to hate this movie. And then the teens you think you're attracting by aging everybody up are also going to hate this movie. Yes. Yeah. And uh, spoiler, he was right. Yeah. Nobody liked this movie. <laughs> so my uh, one of my favorite lines is actually the end because he does a mic drop. I'll do another quote, so I'll read this. <clears throat> when talking about why the movie will fail, he says, the movie will become another statistic in a long line of failed movies badly adapted from children's books. No one wants that. And a year from now, I would really prefer not to be saying, I told you so. Gosh. Yeah, he is so he is so salty. I love it. I love it. <laughs> He's pretty salty. Yeah, it was funny being a fan when this when this came out, like an adult fan who yeah. was online, because 
he did not talk about the movie at all. And all I wanted to know was, is this going to be any good? Because I saw the trailer. I was disappointed that he was older, but I was still a fan of Logan Lerman. And the more, the closer it came to it, the more sad vibes I got from Rick Riordan online. And so I, I'm not surprised. He has never seen the movie in its entirety. No, he still hasn't. And he's never, he's never seen the sequel either. He should definitely not see the sequel. The fact that I have cut it from my memory (laughs) probably says much worse things than this movie. I had forgotten it existed. Then when I was looking it up on Roku to, to find it, to watch it, this first movie, the second one popped up and I'm like, was this a straight to DVD thing? No. And guys, it wasn't. <laughs> they released it in theaters. Yeah. It looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I almost want to do a follow-up. We may do a follow-up episode for the second one because I mean it it looked so bad, but I kind of still wanted to watch it. We'll see. We'll see how we feel at the end of this episode if we end up doing the next one. Yeah. Um but anyway, let's jump into our spoiler-free discussion about the story. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the story overall, David? So the story overall is, of course, that I love it. And I'm biased <laughs> because this is closer to This is your childhood. <laughs> this is much closer to me than the Harry Potter books. It's like mm-hmm. this series and the series of unfortunate events were my books as a kid. Those yeah. those were my series, so I'm very, very close to those. And on rereading it, um, I think that the plot is a little straightforward, but I think that's okay because it's meant for middle grade. But you, I catch so many more themes that I didn't catch as a child. There's so mm-hmm. many more deeper themes on family, legacy, and what it takes to be a hero despite those things yeah. um, that I enjoyed so much more because there were certain things that I was like, huh, I wonder if Rick Riordan could, like if he was a new author, if he could talk about some of these things nowadays because there are some uh, hints at like abuse yeah. There are hints at assault. There are a lot of things that I was actually shocked to see that this book kind of dive into, um, given its age demographic. Yeah, I I felt the same way. I was very aware as I was reading, because I've read quite a few books from him, and I was very aware that this was his first one in a series. Uh, the mystery is still very good, so we won't spoil anything about it just yet. Um it's very well constructed for a middle grade yeah. book. And like you said, the themes are very interesting. Um, it has a lot to say about understanding your parents are real people with their own problems, which is a very sophisticated theme for a book that's meant for kids as young as like eight or nine. And uh, there's, they go into Hades at one point, And so they talk – they deal a little bit with mortality, which is super yeah. interesting. And I wasn't I wasn't really expecting that. I think, you know, it's it's very rereading it, you're very aware that this is a book meant to teach you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a lot of things like, hey, this Greek myth and that Greek myth. Um, I think the parts where he updates it for modern day is very funny. Uh, I like that he's a New Yorker that hates LA, so he put hell there essentially. <laughs> <laughs> That was the best part, yes. (laughs) Um, 
and the way he's chosen to depict the adult gods as kind of American stereotypes is also very funny too. So there's a couple of like really, really fun things in this book, uh, even though it is very clearly like a middle grade book. Yeah. And the reason why I love Rick Riordan's writing so much, and now at this point, we're just kind of diving straight into the book. Uh, is the same reason why I loved the series of unfortunate event books so much. And mm -hmm. that's because they're secretly teaching you a lot. They're doing a lot yeah. of education in their plot. And as a kid, it made me extremely interested in those things as subjects. So like for me, I was huge into Greek mythology after this for years. I yeah. was obsessed. I was reading Wikipedia. I was buying books on Greek stories and reading them for myself. I was in sixth yeah. grade checking out like Greek mythology books in the library. Yeah. And that's all because of his writing. And yeah. that I think is the reason why he's always been so successful is because he brings topics that are interesting in their own right and put enough spin on it to give kids interest that they're going to want to read it. But also that they actually do teach them a good amount. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, um, I mean, this book has very clear influences from Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, there's a trio. There's a, you know, wise old teacher character. There's, a, you know, a touch of magic. There's, um, there's even a, a prophecy a character. There's a prophecy. Yeah. So all those things uh, feel a little bit borrowed. Um, but I think that's only because it's the first book after this it uh, it pops off which is pretty nice so yeah. it's it's a fun like set up book and uh it made me want to read the rest of them so amanda what else did you enjoy about the book i loved these characters oh, they yeah. are super interesting um percy's a very fun protagonist uh he again has a little bit of a harry potter vibe to him especially he looks very similar to Harry Potter. Yeah. That doesn't help. <laughs> but, you know, he deal he's dealing with his with feeling like a a loser, which I think is very relatable when you are in 6th grade and uh dealing with a difficult home life. Uh and he's quippy and and bold and a little sarcastic and uh wants to do the right thing all the time. And so he's a great protagonist. Uh Annabeth is super super interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, she has a lot more backstory than they put in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's a whole story with her dad uh, and her own issues with her mom. And she has a very interesting story about how she made it to the camp uh, that I won't spoil. And Grover is also super interesting. He has his own little quest that has nothing to do with Percy, which again is completely taken out of the movie. <laughs> so these characters are great. I love them. I thought they were well-rounded. They they have great interactions with each other, which I feel like is sometimes missing from a middle grade book. And they felt like real people. Yeah. And even though, you know, we keep making parallels to Harry Potter, I think they do follow similar archetypes Definitely. Uh, as Harry Potter. However, mm -hmm. it's only surface level. Like as soon as you start yeah. digging into the characters, you start to see the differences uh, in their backstories, in their motivations. Mm -hmm. They're completely different, even though they have this archetype. And I think, honestly, I'm just going to start forgiving books that have a startup similar to Harry Potter. 
Yeah, because definitely. I see it as just in a, like archetypes uh, that mm-hmm. people are going to now follow moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would be hard to have a trio of kids that don't get compared to Harry Potter. So, David, did you enjoy anything about the movie? <laughs> so we're going to go into a lot of changes that the movie made. And this is something that I realized because I watched this with my fiance. I have to get used to saying that. I'm not used to saying that. Yeah, you called her your girlfriend earlier. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to listen to this and be like, David, it's Come over. On. It's over. Um <laughs> But the best compliment that I can give this movie is that it actually does work on its own right. If you if the movie, if the books just never existed, it works as being a iffy to okay children's ish. Like, I think there's definitely some problems, but I think the worst thing this movie could have ever done done is taking on the moniker of Percy Jackson because a little bit. Yeah, they make a lot of changes to this that may work on a one off film, but do not work with a series as a whole. And so, like, you know, things that were solid, like I actually enjoyed the cast. The the cast is weirdly stacked. It's it's very good. They had a lot yeah. of like Sean Bean as Zeus. Uh, yes, uh, yes, the perfect casting for Sean Bean. I completely agree. I, I love seeing Sean Bean. Uh, but even the uh the trio, I think all of mm-hmm. them did a pretty good job with the script that they were given. With what they had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think the cast is pretty good. The effects, surprisingly, aged very well. Not. not- not as bad as I thought they were going to be. I thought I, they were going to be rougher. Yeah, the movie's plot seems very 2002, but at least the effects seem yeah. fairly modern. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for a lot of it, it can be just forgiven as like an okay movie. But as soon as you see that word Percy Jackson in the title, it brings yeah. so much da- down because that comes with certain expectations that this movie does not fulfill at all. Yeah, I think if this had been like a Disney Channel movie, I would feel differently about it. Be like, oh, what a fun idea for a Disney Channel movie. It's like a quest and there's Greek gods and they're, you know, it is, it's teens. Yeah. Um, But because it's not, because it's an adaptation, it's a little rougher. I would, I would agree. I think some of the sets were really interesting, like really cool. I think the camp is really cool looking. Uh, not at all what is described in the book, but it's still pretty cool looking. You could tell like a lot of, they, they put a lot of hard work into yeah. it. It looks cool. Um, and like you said, the effects aren't bad, uh, for being 10 years old, they age decent. Um, and yeah, every time like a new adult came onto the scene, I was like, oh crap, this guy's in it too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> There is a scene with Uma Thurman that I legitimately yes. really enjoy. Like I was watching she and I was like, wait a second, I like it. this. Yeah, And she, <laughs> that was the one thing I did do research on. She did a lot to prepare for it. She was giving me very hardcore, uh, poison ivy vibes. Oh yeah. Which I loved and uh i read that she had like worked a lot with snakes like real snakes in order to get like the feel for how it would be having her face surrounded with snakes and she gets a good amount of screen time which i think is a smart idea (laughs) yeah they made that action sequence the longest one in the movie and it was because it was by far the best part of the movie and well 
I don't know about that, but I mean, <laughs> I guess compared to the other action sequences, sure. Compared to the other action scenes, and I think literally every other part, I think, yes, it makes changes from the book, but I think as <laughs> its own right, it works. She's a fantastic uh, small villain to, to overcome, yes. and I love that they carry her head around for the rest of the movie. <laughs> that's the most, that's the best part. That's very funny. <laughs> So, David, would you recommend people read this book? I mean, 100%. I think a lot of times, especially if you're older, reading young adult. I mean, this is weirdly not even young adult. It's even a little bit younger than that. Reading books like this, you may go into it thinking, okay, it's going to be easy. It's going to be simple. And a lot of that is. But I can recommend this because I know what happens later on. (laughs) And so I have a little bit more... Uh, forethought on to where the series is going, but I would highly recommend reading this and the entire series and all of Rick Riordan's books. Yeah, it's a fun mystery. It's a fun um, like Odyssey story, and it's a fun setting and cast of characters. So all around, it's just fun. Yeah, and if you have kids, they're gonna they're gonna be obsessed. They're gonna freaking love it. They're gonna freaking love it. Yeah, yeah. So Amanda, would you recommend <laughs> watching this movie at all? I don't think so. No, of course not. <laughs> it's not very fun. I think I maybe laughed once. Um, and it's unfortunate because it, you get when you watch it, it's very clear that they thought this was going to be the next Harry Potter. Yes. They were really trying to put down roots for this to be the next thing. And they just made too many changes. I think they should have read the entire book series and figured out what they wanted to do from the beginning. It feels like somebody who didn't who read like the plot points but didn't read the book wrote this script and then they made a movie from it. Well, it's pretty shocking that a lot of times when people talk about this series, they talk about this being the next quote unquote Harry Potter and right. how they did a lot of things that were similar, you know, in terms of They brought on Chris Columbus. Bringing the on score Chris was Columbus decent. score uh, it was, was okay. All right. So there was a lot of things going for it, but the one thing that Harry Potter did that the, these films did not is one, they started younger, and two, yeah. and most importantly, Harry Potter pretty much had J.K. Rowling in everything. She was highly in the involved seat with them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rick Riordan had none of that, and it was all because yeah. they wanted to make this movie uh, more accessible uh, and marketable for the trends that were yeah. currently going on. But because of that, it kind of lost the heart of the story itself. Yeah, I think anytime I revisit a teen movie that came out around this time, I only think of like the Hunger Games influence. And I feel like that's probably what did this in. I would actually say this is Twilight influenced. Mm, Probably. You're right. Probably Twilight influence. Yeah. Yeah. They really lean into the romance, which is weird well that's a great segue to our spoiler section so let's go over there <laughs> well hold on so our official recommendation is movie nah <laughs> no nah. <laughs> uh book absolutely yes so yes. uh we are now going to jump into our spoilers so stay tuned for that between myths and legends Zeus's bolt is the most powerful weapon ever created it's been stolen between this world and the next. If it's not returned by the summer solstice, there will be a war. Our three heroes. All demigods have inherited skills. Okay, so let's jump in. 
So, Amanda, this yes. this section will probably be very long, but yes. let's talk about <laughs> the most jarring and surprising changes. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I, a lot has changed. I mean, you already mentioned they age up the characters. There is a lot more romance than deserves to be in this story. Um, I think for me, the most... There are two very jarring changes for me. Mm-hmm. One is that the characters, all of the characters who aren't Percy, have completely been erased of all backstory. They have no backstory outside of their interactions with Percy. And that's tough because one of the things that's so good about the book are the characters. And now they just become weird, two dimensional characters where. Annabeth is just reacting to things and acting as a Hermione Granger Google. And uh, Grover is the sassy black friend. And Uh, I don't like either of them. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about some of the changes they made. Because my biggest problem I had with this movie, and something that you realize immediately, is that Grover is really horny, guys. I like don't stop. Like the entire movie, he is yeah. constantly just flirting with people, trying to get laid. It's yeah. super weird. There's this really weird scene towards the end with Persephone, played by Rosario Rosaria Dawson. Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. I always want to say Rosaria, but it's Rosario Dawson. Yes. Um, where she. It is heavily implied that something much worse than PG-13 is going to happen between them. <laughs> yeah. And it's super weird. There is a, a lot of parts in this movie where Grover says some comments or flocks to girls in bikinis often. Yeah, and often. It, it happens often. It's very strange. And I'm not sure why they made this change to Grover because this it's was not, not pr- it's not funny it wasn't present in the book it made me very uncomfortable yeah and i think it 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 exemplifies like the how they just tried to make this movie age up and yeah. it just didn't work very well i really hated the persephone's pearls thing um in the book uh what like the only one of the only sweet moments between Percy and his dad is this gift that he gets from him where it's these pearls that help him return to the sea and saves them and the end. And in the movie, it becomes part of the fetch quest to run around the U.S. to find these things before they end up in L.A. And I hate the map. I don't think the map makes any sense. (laughs) There's like a map where once you find a pearl, it shows you the next place. But then after you find the last pearl, it doesn't show you another pearl. It shows you how to get to Hades. And it just, it was a bad plot device. It was dumb. I hated it. it. W- and what's really strange is that they didn't need it. They had plenty of motivation for Percy going to find Hades in the book. Everybody wanted him to go to Hades. Hades wanted him to go to Hades. He should have just been like, hey, Hades, I'm ready to come. Come get me. And instead, they chose to like remove a lot of the mystery of what happens when he gets there. And it kind of comes down to, you know, the second biggest problem I had. And that's like the Greek mythology is super watered down. 
Um, yeah. They miss the entire point of the premise of the books, which is that the Greek gods move with the West. And they never once say that in the movie. So the entire time you're like, what are these Greek gods doing in the United yeah. States? Why are they Why here? Are they here? <laughs> and that's like the main premise. How did you guys miss that? <laughs> that was the only thing. <laughs> and it was that's one of the most interesting parts of the book is it's the most fun part. Yeah. Is seeing how Greek mythology gets integrated into American culture. Cause it's so tongue in cheek. It's so yes. funny. They, they yes. play on American stereotypes. I love that Ares, the God of war loves America. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's so funny. <laughs> he made like some comment in the book about how, uh, there were, People are allowed to have way more weapons here than they did in Greek times, yes. which is yes, hilarious. which is very funny. They talk about, um, you know, Grover is a satyr, and so he cares very much about pollution. So he talks about climate change in it. Like it's it's good commentary. It's good fun commentary, and all of that fun is zapped straight out of this it's movie. Just, <laughs> and they tend to lean towards Greek mythology that people are already aware of. Yes. I was so – this is probably a more of a nitpick. I was so bothered by the fact that Percy didn't know that if you cut off one Hydra head, two more replace it. Has he not seen any Marvel movie in 2010? Has he never watched <laughs> – like, is this universe just going to pretend like Hercules never Marvel came out? Started. Yes, yes. This is literally the cartoon. That's how it starts. <laughs> and that that's the thing. They tend to, to – lean towards that mythology that's already been in pop culture like the hydra rather yes. than something new and interesting another thing that they tend to water down in the movie is the um the family nature of greek gods mm -hmm. in greek mythology gods are selfish gods kind of lean toward their own desires they're all powerful yeah. they kill people just because it's it's a terrible kind of dynamic and they strip all of that. Well, they the also movies. like the whole point, the whole point of the mystery is that the gods can't really interact with each other because they're so powerful. And so they use their children to do it for them. And so Percy being the son of Poseidon is a big deal because he's not supposed to have any kids. Like the big three aren't supposed to have any kids. And so it becomes proof that Poseidon is behind the thing because, oh, now he has a son that he can use to steal this thing. And they forget to set <laughs> that up in the movie. So the whole time people are chasing Percy and they're like, give it back. Why'd you steal it? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and anybody with a brain can tell he doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so it's very odd. It's it super odd. Well, and the mystery is stripped away. So there's a there's kind of a double reveal in the book that Ares is the one who caught the original lightning thief, who is Luke, in the book. And he has been turned to working for Kronos. So Kronos is like the big bad emperor bad guy. And Luke is working for Kronos, and, Air and he kind of recruited Ares to it. So Ares becomes the revealed bad guy, but then it's double revealed that it's actually Luke at the very end of the book working for Kronos. And it's a very good mystery. Yeah. And they completely water it down to this dumb mystery. <laughs> 
and one that's like super obvious. Like, it, yes. like if someone thought for more than two seconds, they could probably solve it. Well, also, like they he gives them this ridiculous. Sh- Luke gives the the trio this ridiculous shield that has the master bolt inside of it. And in the book, it's it's simpler. It's a backpack, and the backpack is a sheath to the master bolt. And so as soon as Ares releases it, it shows up in the backpack when they're in the underworld. So it's a little bit better constructed. It makes a little bit more sense. He's literally carrying it around the whole time. It's this super powerful weapon. How do they not notice it for like weeks? It's no so odd. It's really odd because it's not in like some some super secret compartment. He literally yes. puts the shield down at one point and it's just and it just glowing. falls out. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing. Like it, the shield doesn't blow up and it's like oh my gosh, yes. it's in the shield the whole time. It just like yes. falls out. Yes. So uh, the big change that I was upset about is that they took out Ares and they took out the Ares fight, which is super. Good. It's the climax of the book. Mm-hmm. And it's this little pipsqueak 12-year-old kid um, up against the god of war, and he outwits him, and he manages to draw blood. He stabs him in his heel, and it's a legitimately great scene, like a great action scene, a great scene for the characters. And when I think about this series, I immediately always remember that scene. And they freaking cut it out. (laughs) They cut the god of war, which in itself is an awesome character just out of the movie. Yes. Yes. So I was pretty upset about that. My biggest gripe with the watering down of Greek mythology in this movie is actually what they do to the character Poseidon, where he's so boring. (laughs) Well, in the books, it's a very interesting dynamic because he has never met Percy. He has never talked to Percy and he has no idea how to interact in front of him. He is he doesn't even know if he likes Percy or if Percy likes him. And that dynamic in itself is not one uh, that is out of a ton of love. This is like Mm -hmm. a relationship that they're trying to figure out. It's very much a despondent dad trying to figure out how he feels about his kid. And he's not the greatest dad in the world at all. No, In the movie, they make him like stalkery and he like talks to Percy a lot and it it has like very heavy like Jesus vibes. Yeah. <laughs> we're like we're like Percy is the one true son of Poseidon. And that's not at all in the that's not even a little bit in the books. In the books it's very much a much more realistic take on a son trying to connect with a distant father. And that's much more interesting. It's so much more interesting. And I think relatable for people who have oh. fathers like that. Instead, oh, really? this father's just like, I've loved you all my Like, he's even more of a jerk <laughs> yes. because he talks about how much he loves and cares for Percy, but mm-hmm. never does anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you change this story? We went through a whole bunch of stuff we're meant about. How would you change the story if you could? Well... I mean, the biggest thing for me in terms of, you know, there's a lot of talk right now. Since Disney has bought Fox, the Percy Jackson Mm -hmm. series is technically owned by Disney now, which is both terrifying because Disney now owns everything, uh, but also comforting because they tend to do adaptations a lot uh, better than. Mm -hmm. um, Especially uh, for children's things. Yes, they are much more respectful of source material. So for me, 
personally, what I would like them to do in terms of updating an adaptation is to turn this into an animated series. 100%. Uh, I totally agree. I think a 30-minute episode where, like, maybe, like, the first season, you know, they're going through and trying to get to Hades, and then all of their interacting and uh, with all this Greek mythology would be extremely interesting and rife for a 24-minute episode for kids. Yeah. And I would absolutely watch that. Yeah, it's written in a way where it's several mini adventures in a row uh, that string together an overall mystery. And so it would really lend itself to a mini series for sure. And I think that especially being animated, it would help bridge some of the uncanny valley gap that I feel like we got in some of the CGI in the in the movie too. I will actually defend this movie CGI. I surprisingly think the CGI is good. In the this CGI movie. is not bad. I think the CGI is boring. <laughs> there, the the one thing I will always defend about the movie is Medusa's snake hair. Like at first, Medusa's snake it, hair looks amazing. It looks yes. like Uma Thurman's face is floating a little bit on there, but there are little parts when Uma Thurman gets close to the people. If you look at the individual snakes, they're like biting people's hair. They're going yeah. up people's noses. They're like yes. messing, and each snake is like individually animated to do something. And I I loved it. I ate that scene up because of that. Yes, I will give props to that. I think the Hydra is is less interesting. I think it's oh, very 100%. funny when when it blows fire one minute and then Grover starts throwing food at it and just like I'm 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 It's like ah mom, thank you. I'm 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 giving me a snack in forever. I think that that was a strange choice. Yes. <laughs> it was just like this weird moment. It's like, why is he throwing candy at the Hydra? Yes. And he's like, There's ah, a lot yes. of weird, nah, 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 nah. There's a lot of weird moments. I think uh, the Lotus Hotel dance scene is one where you're like, Ooh, oh, Amanda, so I, I forgot. I forgot so much about this movie. The only yeah. thing that stuck with me before I rewatched it is the poker face montage. Yes, where they're tripping mm -hmm. in the... It is like the weirdest scene. I think the that and the soundtrack choices were very yeah. jarring for me. They like there was like a comment in the beginning before they start their quest, and Luke is like, "If you see my dad on the road, give him hell." Uh, no, he says, "If you see my dad on the on the highway to hell, yeah. kick his butt kick or his something butt. like that." Yeah. yeah, something stupid like that, which is a terrible line. To begin with. Also, we never meet Hermes anyway. So why is that there? But then it immediately cuts to them on a bus and ACDC's Highway to Hell is playing. And it's not funny. It's not It's funny. bad. It's, it's just bad. bad. And then they're driving into Vegas and it's, uh, you know, a Vegas song playing. And then it immediately cuts to Poker Face. And it's, it's like somebody Googled, what should I put, what music put here? And then they and like a, a keyword. And well, then it's they it's the one. Suicide Squad soundtrack director getting paid. I'm sure it's the Is same it really? dude. I don't know, but it okay. won't surprise me. I bet it's just the same dude it's, getting paid for all these it's movies. Same, it's that same level of uh, care to detail. Yes, like a Suicide Squad. <laughs> any any more changes that you would make to this story before I move on to some of the nitpicks? I think the the if they were going to do they ended up doing a sequel and then it was set up for another movie 
and it surprisingly never got picked up. Um, I think it would have been better if some if somebody would have read all five books and then broken it down into even just a trilogy that made sense with each yeah. other. Um, and maybe they don't need to be 12, but maybe 14 even. I think 17 is just too old. It is too old. And the fact that this series just sort of ignored the prophecy. Like, if if you would have yeah. said Sea of Monsters, the next books in this series, didn't exist, and it was just this movie, I'd be like, that makes sense. Because makes this sense. movie yeah. is meant to be one movie. But they yeah. wanted this movie to be a series. But they did yes. none of the le- legwork to make it a series. No. And then I watched the trailer for, for Sea of Monsters, and they have to make up all of that in the span of a, yeah. a movie. And the entire thing is just the plot of the prophecy in the trailer. I was like, geez. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot. not, it's, you know, I don't know that I would touch the book necessarily. I think the small changes that we'd want to make to the book would just be modern updates to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a pretty solid start to a series. But the movie is... A lot to be desired. (laughs) It leaves a lot to be desired for sure. Um, David, I think we're going to have a big old list of nitpicks, but let's start with some nitpicks. I will start with one because I think you're going to have a huge list. I have a list that I made throughout the movie, so let's talk about it. I freaking hate Percy's cabin. I think it's the (laughs) stupidest thing I've ever seen. It has no walls. I don't think any building in that camp have walls. Privacy must be very stupid. Very hard to come by in that camp. Oh, yeah. And if you didn't notice, that camp is packed. I have it no idea. So, much, so packed. Listen, I understand that, you know, Greeks, they're tough. They don't mind if a, if a stray spear comes near their head or something. No. That place was packed. They were shooting arrows in a walkway. They were throwing spears at people who are also throwing spears at them. It is a no. crowded place. I think they need an expansion or something <laughs> because everyone was doing everything in the same, like, 100 square foot radius of each other. It was... A strange visual choice. It felt very claustrophobic and not like I always imagined it very militaristic where they're training you. Yeah. That just seems like chaos. And then they immediately put him into a they're like, okay, it's time to start training. And they put him into a game with zero training. (laughs) Yeah, that was that's on my list of nitpicks where it's like. Uh, before you go on because they introduced that he has to go on this mission immediately yeah. and they're like before you go on this mission you must train the best way to do that is to play capture the flag <laughs> uh in the worst game in of the capture worst, the flag i've ever first seen of all this game of capture the flag is buck wild does i guess no one read this series and no one has ever played capture the flag i highly doubt it yeah the rules of capture the flag is you go to the flag and bring it back to your base for yes. them it's like whoever touches the flag first i guess i guess but then like as soon as somebody starts fighting in front of the flag everybody from both sides shows up and just watches and whoever kicks the most butt gets the flag (laughs) that's not capture the flag (laughs) yeah by the way i'm the type of person where everyone is watching this i am going to the other team's flag and taking that like you think there was like some other dude who had the flag he was like guys guys i already won guys i I had it i I got this like a half hour ago (laughs) guys guys oh freaking percy literally he he kicks like two people's butts in the 
in not very good sword fighting. Sorry, Logan Lerman. It's not great. And he then he walks through a crowd of people who have swords and they don't do anything. Zero. They just let him take the flag. And then like it's literally sitting in the middle of the flag is sitting in the middle of nowhere. Percy finds it and he's like, oh, yeah, I totally got it. I'm totally going to win capture the flag. And Annabeth shows up and she's like, do you think it would be that easy? But then it was that easy. There was no. There was no plan. She's like, she's like, I'm the daughter of battle mastery, blah, 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 strategy. But there was nothing. She, he just kicked her butt and then he got the flag. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be way more what interesting? What was the strategy? <laughs> wouldn't it be way more interesting if she's fighting him and then while it happens, the other team comes by and she was like, huh, see, battle mastery. Boom! You get to you get to just, show off Percy's fighting, and you get to show how cool Annabeth is. Just take the scene from the book. The scene from the book was good. She uses in the book. Annabeth is in charge of that team. She puts Percy in a specific place because he's already made enemies with all the Aries kids, and those Aries kids go to kick his butt, and she uses that as a distraction so the rest of them can get the flag. That is a good scene. <laughs> Why did you guys change it? <laughs> it was already there for you. <laughs> I think they just, I think it's because they cut out Aries. So they, they had to take that out. It but doesn't even matter. So, it could have just been some bullies. Okay. Some other funny parts about that scene. Uh, there's a lot of sword swish sounds that are very bad. There's a lot of them. Like yeah. he, he'll just like move. They do a lot of sword flipping. It was as yeah. if that was the only thing they learned with their sword I'm fighting sure training. The only thing they learned, yeah. And every time they do it, I laugh because it was like swish, swish. <laughs> it made me laugh especially when they were like so they were like cutting each other up and they had like legit cuts and then percy goes to flip somebody over with his sword he should have cut that guy's leg off and the oh, guy's yeah. just like oh i'm okay but i'm on the ground now i'm yeah. defeated it was, yeah. it was terrible it was rough. <laughs> yeah. uh would you like to go through my nitpick list that i had yeah okay yeah, so yeah, a yeah. Lot of these, more some, okay. <laughs> some of these are small some of these are big okay. we've already hit on a couple of them uh, my first one is Poseidon mind telepathy. Um, yeah. Didn't quite it's understand. Very, it's very um, like Luke and Obi-Wan, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it didn't really make sense. Uh, the second thing is there's a scene where they're trying to... Um, Whenever I say the camp name, I almost want to say Camp Green Lake, but I got to remember this is not Holes. <laughs> please, please watch Holes, guys. That was my favorite episode, and good, no one yeah. ever listens to it. <laughs> uh, but I will say, I will say, speaking of Holes, um, Logan Lerman has some very heavy Shia LaBeouf energy. Super Shia. It is. It is like he is trying to channel him, and it's not good. It's not good. It's not no. good. Uh, but there is a scene where they flip over a cow that's really strange because a cow goes in front of their car and as if like is some weird like the car starts levitating because it hits the cow and then it just starts floating up in the air and then crash. It made zero like the trajectory of the car. You're talking about the car crash. Sense. Yes. My issue with the car crash is that Grover's like, watch out. But the cow being thrown is being thrown from behind. So how did he see it? <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Uh, the next one is my favorite quote from the movie. Okay. And it's from Annabeth. Uh, okay. And it was the most direct characterization I've ever seen. Uh, so this is it. 
She says, I definitely have strong feelings for you. I just haven't decided if they're positive or negative yet. Okay, that was played in the trailer over and over, and they were so proud of that line. Oh my gosh. It, it's not good. It's it would be so such an awkward bad. thing for somebody to say to you. Also, uh, Annabeth's uh, eyes, uh, Alexandra Daddario does have very big blue eyes, but let me tell yeah. you, they did something to her eyes in this movie because. I feel like that, yeah. There are some scenes where it feels like she's an anime character. <laughs> I like, would not be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like buck wild to me how yeah. like, they must have put some like clarity or did the lighting in some way that her eyes popped more. But it was jarring. It was legitimately jarring in some scenes. It was. Yeah, I agree. Oh, okay. Really Next thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> another thing that I saw. <laughs> Okay, this is a scene that, like, there is, uh, when they're at Auntie M's, uh, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. the Medusa fight scene, there is a scene mm-hmm. where the friends get lost, and they're calling after each other to find them. <laughs> yeah. There is this part. And apparently a maze of a statuary thing. It did not seem that big, but they were constantly losing each other. Yeah. But there is this part where Percy is calling for Grover. Grover's calling for Percy, and they're running full speed. <laughs> yeah. They run full speed right into each other. <laughs> I didn't understand that because they didn't have their eyes closed, and they, they were just hear each bad other. at seeing things. Yeah. And no joke, it's like it's legitimately like full speed, and then they get up. They're like, "Oh, you okay?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm okay." <laughs> it's like, dude, if I got hit like that, I'd be down for the count was- for a long time. Well, it's also it felt like they did it on purpose to each other. It was just weird. Yeah. Uh, now on to the uh, Las Vegas uh, scene. Mm-hmm. There's a part where Grover is doing coordinated dancing with girls yeah. at the hotel. Without his secret legs on so everybody can see that he's a half goat. Yes. There is also a deleted scene that extends this dance scene to about it's a full minute. Yeah. And I don't. I don't understand the need to put this in. It's very weird. They the also put in. Had a, to learn that dance. Uh, they also good for him. He did great, but it's just so weird. They also have a scene where he's getting his um his hooves painted like their toenails. Why? Why do we have that scene in there? And it's like bright pink or bright yeah. red. Uh, okay, but my favorite part of the Las Vegas scene is another. Just like when you think about it, you're like, this is weird. Why would this happen? They're leaving yeah. Las Vegas and they need to be able to see the date because they spent too much time at the Lotus Hotel. So there's just a billboard that's flashing that's like, tomorrow is June 21st. Yes. Amanda, <laughs> have you ever seen a billboard that yeah. flashes to let you know what tomorrow's day? And it was like oh a very God. big graphic where it's like, tomorrow, June 21st. It's really strange that they don't have cell phones, if I'm honest. Because there is <laughs> their okay. kids in 2010. They did make a very small change that I actually really enjoyed because it is the most 2010 thing I could think of where instead of use instead of Percy using his shield to look through and mirror and look at Medusa, he uses <laughs> his iPod touch that has a shiny background. <laughs> that was very funny. Yes. That was very 2010. It's the best product placement I have ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) It's pretty good. And it's like the Apple logo is like right there for almost the entire scene. You can see Medusa like next to the. It's amazing. It's pretty good. Uh, 
My nitpick, I think my biggest nitpick, besides that dumb cabin, which I also still hate, is uh, what they did to Percy's mom. She sucks in this movie. She sucks hard. Yeah, (laughs) She sucks so hard. She is super boring and bland, and it does not feel like Percy cares about her. He gets over her death so fast, and then they go to rescue her, and she's so useless. And then... I cannot imagine being a responsible adult woman and allowing a 16 or 17-year-old kid, like when they decide who's going to get the pearls to escape, they leave Grover behind. I do not – I could not imagine being an adult person and allowing a 16-year-old kid to stay in hell instead of me – and like letting me escape. Why? So I could tell them where the door is to – Olympus? That's dumb. Yeah, even on the Olympus thing, for some reason, she knew the secret code at the top of the Empire State Building to get in there. And then she gets into the elevator and then she's like, oh, I actually can't go to Olympus. Which means that at some (laughs) point, Poseidon has taken her to this spot, done the secret code, and then she had to wait in the elevator for him to come (laughs) back. I guess. Why did they just make it the regular elevator? The regular elevator was cool enough. I have no idea. I have, I genuinely have no idea. Why does it open up into this supply closet on the top of the Empire State Building? It's so weird. It's pretty dumb. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. It's pretty dumb. (laughs) <laughs> Which sums up a lot of the changes that they made to this movie. It's Unfortunately, just pretty dumb. yes. It's just pretty, it's pretty dumb. dumb. Uh, the true hero of this movie is Rosario Dawson. Because yeah. she's the one who overtakes Haiti uh, to give them back the Master Bolt. She wins the day. She also sexually she assaults no Grover, though, which is uh, which not is a mixed good. bag, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty mixed bag here. Not super great to look at. Yeah, but I guess those are the heroes we got in 2010. <laughs> oh, man. And that's a great way to end this. Uh, yeah, so that'll wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe so you can get automatically updated when new episodes come out wherever you get your podcasts. We are pretty new still. So if you enjoy anything we talked about in the last hour, please leave us a review and tell your friends. If you leave us a review, I will force David to say them in a very funny voice on air recorded and syndicated so that you can listen to it whenever you feel like. Yes. And Amanda, what voice are you having me do this time? Okay. We actually had a request for a voice. What? You didn't tell me this. I didn't tell you this and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, On our Instagram, I posted one of our reviews and Mm -hmm. I polled the audience to see how they wanted you to read it. Oh, B.S., I did not see this. You should have. Um, So if you pull up, go ahead and and go to AdAdaptedPod on Instagram. Oh, no. And pull up our latest post with our latest five-star review from Tori Lee, who – thank you, Tori Lee. You're amazing. Uh, And uh, here's why Pod uh, requested that you read it in the C-3PO voice. Oh, gosh. I literally cannot come up with a better premise than that. So I would like you to read that review in the C-3PO voice, please. Let me just very quickly look up C-3PO's voice. Okay. Fun fact. I just... (laughs) On YouTube, I did C-3PO. That's all I searched, okay? Uh The first video is every time C-3PO whines and complains (laughs) in Star Wars. (laughs) 
right, this should give me a good example. Let me let me listen to it real quick. I already love okay, it. I think I could do it. Okay. Uh, and I will even uh, I'm gonna do Tori Lee's review. Thank you, Tori Lee, for leaving us a five star review. Okay. You're amazing. Thank you. What a treat. This podcast is so much fun. The hosts being siblings really enhance the conversation between the two, and I love that. Plus, they're hilarious. Holding out for an episode on the outsiders. That's a pretty good 3PO. I like, that's a pretty. I, that's a you pretty much nailed the three PO. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't give us like a a little add on joke, but I'll give it to you. That's pretty good. Well, he's prim and proper. He says what needs to be. I mean, I try not to <laughs> complain too much. That's true. He is a protocol droid. Is that what he's called? No, no, no. What is he? Cyborg uh, relations, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. As that as Anakin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> let's stop talking about Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you leave a review, uh, I will read it on this podcast in another funny voice, just like Tori Lee suggested we do. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at Adapted Pod on all those platforms. You can also send us suggestions on what we should talk about next by shooting us an uh, an email at stuff at adaptedpod.com. Also, we have new music for this week. So if you're enjoying the music you're going to be hearing at the start and end, it is by our good friend, Catloaf. You can check him out on Spotify and this song is Astoria Ditmars. I butchered that. That's a line in New York and I'm pretty sure I butchered it. Uh, (laughs) So we are going to do a good movie and one of my favorite movies from the past decade and that is Arrival. It is adapted into a short novella. So that is what I want to check out next. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I enjoyed the movie so It'll be interesting to jump into the novella of it. Yes. Uh, also by one time. of my favorite directors ever. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Save it for the yeah, next Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, tune, <laughs> tune in next time to hear all about how we rate that adaptation. Until then, always check your flying shoes for traps. Until then, make sure you click your sword pen outside because it bothered me that he kept clicking it <laughs> and then it never stabbed him because he clipped it in many That's different true. directions and yeah, it never stabbed that. him it definitely should have stabbed him it definitely, definitely him make sure you don't stab it towards yourself until then um remember being a protagonist makes you win and capture the flag yes <laughs> <laughs>